This is Urban Tiger Radio, a project supported by CybermouseMultimedia.com. Search for Urban Tiger Radio in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher.com and hit the subscribe button to receive free automatic downloads. Please remember to share and rate our show before you leave. Sometimes another writer passes a story on to you to look at and ask what you think. And the first thing you think is, I wish I'd had that idea. (laughs) And uh, I could have really run with that. Well, this guy whose story I'm about to read you is quite actually a novice writer. Uh, Very much so, in fact. And tell you a little bit more about him. We know him affectionately as Jukebox Tom. And he respects his anonymity, and so do I. So that's as much as I'm going to identify him. Now, like most writers, uh, we're a little bit strange about reading stuff out that we've written because we're always hypercritical. But this one is really good. And it's called The Hedgehog and the Carpenter. The reason we call him Jukebox Tom is because if you can remember two or three notes and sing them, play them, whatever, to Tom, he will tell you what the song was. I think there's an app does that now, but Tom did it a long time before the app. And he has an amazing repertoire on the guitar and a very good singing voice. And he will play almost anything you can imagine. So that's Jukebox Tom, and that's why we call him Jukebox Tom. You put a pint of beer in him, he'll play you anything. Right, his story is The Hedgehog and the Carpenter. And it's set in a factory, uh, of which there used to be many in this area, and now there are unfortunately so few. And it's called The Hedgehog and the Carpenter. Graham Osborne, the factory joiner, made his normal mid-morning toilet visit around 11.15. Choosing his favourite cubicle, the middle one of three, the one that afforded a little more light, he closed and locked the door. A puff of tobacco smoke with accompanying coughs and splutters rose up from the next door as he took his seat. He glanced at his watch before opening the daily mirror to study the race cards. Today was Friday, his regular flutter day, time to pick out a few winners and earn a few bob to fund the weekend's entertainment. Can't take too long today, though, he thought, as he put on his specs. That bleeding Wainwright will be round, snooping. Twenty minutes later, he rose and readied to go back to work. As he turned to flush, he spotted the prickly dark mass of a hedgehog, tightly curled up on the concrete floor behind the wastepipe of the toilet bowl. He wondered as how such a creature had managed to find its way onto the first floor of the busy factory as he tentatively prodded at it with his toe. The hedgehog rolled a little but remained tightly curled. But what to do? He obviously couldn't just leave it there. The poor mite needed to be rescued and released back into a more suitable environment. Graham bent over to take a closer look. Around 15 minutes later, he entered the now-deserted toilet block again, this time carrying an empty cardboard box and a small canvas tool bag. By mid-afternoon, 
News of Graham's discovery had spread throughout the factory, and the joiner's shop had become quite busy with a steady stream of curious visitors, wanting to see for themselves. The hedgehog was now safely tucked away at the back of the shop in the quietest corner among a collection of his less-used woodworking tools. The cardboard box, which had been provided by the girls in a warehouse, was now its temporary home. Half filled at one end by a few handfuls of shredded paper, which offered enough cover from prying eyes and fingers. Only a small three-inch square of spines could be seen. Any attempt to interfere with the arrangement would result in Graham's admonishment. Don't disturb it. It's asleep. You'll scare it. Or warning, I wouldn't touch it if I were you. It's covered in lice. Or, careful, it bites. At the other end of the box, Graham had placed two small pots, one containing pieces of chopped apple and the other a half inch of water. This led to the inevitable much-asked question. Has he said no yet? Well, it's been out and had a bit of apple a couple of times, Graham would not test. One of the more frequent visitors throughout the afternoon was Ken Wainwright, the factory charge hand. His normal course of overseeing duties often took him past the joiner's shop and on each occasion he would pop in to peer into the box in the corner. At around four o'clock he was paying his third visit. Where did you say you found it, Graham? In the box? Yeah, it was just curled up on the floor behind the pot. Don't know how it managed to get there, up two flights of bloody stairs. Oh, look, it looks like it's eaten some more apples since last time I was here, Ken commented thoughtfully. He gingerly picked at the paper shreds, revealing a little more of the hedgehog's back. Yeah, every now and again it comes out and has a sniff around. It's gone back to sleep now, though. Graham joined Ken in the corner and hastily rearranged the paper nest, recovering the animal. Be careful, he said. Don't touch it. It bloody bit me earlier. He held up his hand to reveal a small plaster covering the end of his right index finger. And I've heard that you can catch rabies from hedgehogs. Bleeding hell, did it? Ken swiftly withdrew. What are you going to do with it then? he asked. Don't know yet. I'll probably take it home and let it go in the park tomorrow, I suppose. It's a pity we've not got a garden. I could have let it go tonight, Graham said. I've got to take it on the bus, though. I don't fancy that. Ken pondered a little, then offered an alternative solution. Well, we've got a garden. I could take it home in the car with me tonight, if you like. Let the kids have a look and let it out up there. Some nice countryside up our way. Yeah, you can do that if you like. Sounds good to me, Graham said. Right then, I'll come and pick it up before I go. See you about ten to five. And Ken left to carry on his afternoon rounds. Graham took a couple of souring apple pieces from the hedgehog's food pot and threw them in the waste bin. And with a wry smile, returned to his workbench. The hedgehog, meanwhile, remained unmoved. At five to five, a queue of workers had started to form at the clocking area, waiting for the five o'clock siren. Ken Wainwright joined the line, carefully holding the hedgehog's box as steadily as he could to avoid alarming the delicate contents. Graham joined him in the queue. Don't forget, Ken, 
Don't touch the bloody thing, and don't let the kids touch it. It bites, and it's riddled with vermin. His right index finger, now plasterless, outlined a rough square on one end of the box. Just cut the end off it, put it down on the grass, and let it come out when it wants to. A circle of curious co-workers gathered around Ken and his box, craning their necks to see inside. The two food pots had now been taken out and the shredded paper arranged so the hedgehog was completely out of sight. What is it? Where is it then? Is it dead? Is it under paper? Hey, I just saw it move. What are you going to do with it? Oh, look, it's had a shit in the corner. Well, Ken fielded the various questions and comments for a while until the minute hand clunked round to the top and the siren screeched, signalling the end of the working week. Previously interested people, now with more urgent matters in mind, turned their attention and thoughts towards the upcoming weekend and spelled out into the street in the bright summer Friday evening sun. Graham followed Ken closely out to the car park and watched as he placed the box onto the passenger seat, thoughtfully positioning it to ensure an even keel during the journey home. Keeping one eye on the stability of the box, Ken manoeuvred his way around the city centre streets and out into the suburbs. He made a three-mile journey in good time and arrived to see his two young daughters playing together in the front garden. Amy, Katie, come and see what I've got here he called as he walked down the drive, carrying the box. The hedgehog, apparently unruffled, was still hidden in its paper nest. Graham Osborne arrived home at around the same time and smiled again to himself as he recalled the day's events to his wife. At around the same time, Ernest Riley, in accordance with his daily janitorial duties, had made his way to the toilet block on the first floor. He stood outside the middle cubicle of three, scratching his head and holding an 18-inch long stick. A little later, Ken Wainwright gathered his wife and two young daughters. They gazed patiently out through the patio windows at the cardboard box. They now had one end cut away and had been positioned strategically on the front lawn. Ken had resisted the temptation to use coaxing tactics and decided to follow Graham's instruction to let the occupant decamp of its own accord. By half past six, they were growing impatient and bored as they waited for the hedgehog to make its return to the wild. Out on the lawn, wrapped carefully in its paper nest, the toilet brush head stubbornly refused to move. You've just been listening to another excellent podcast from Urban Tiger Radio, sponsored by Cybermouse Multimedia. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, don't forget to click the little heart button on your way out and let everyone else know that you like it. So, once again, that's a goodbye from me and a from now. Bye.